Hey, this is Kelly Freeman. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Democratic presidential debate. So here's the audio for that. Turning to re women's reproductive rights. Ohio is now one of several states that has banned abortions after as early as six weeks of pregnancy. Many women don't even know they are pregnant at that time. The Ohio law, like many others, is being challenged in the courts and has not yet taken effect. Senator Harris, if states prevail on restricting abortion, what's your plan to stop them? Uh, my plan is as, followed, uh, as follows. Uh, w for any state that passes a law that violates the Constitution, and in particular Roe v. Wade, our Department of Justice will review that law to determine if it is compliant ro with Roe v. Wade and the Constitution, and if it is not, that law will not go into effect. That's called preclearance. Because the reality is that while we still have, as I said earlier, these state legislators who are outdated and out of touch, mostly men who are telling women what to do with their bodies, then there needs to be accountability and consequence. But, you know, I'll go further. You may have seen it. I, I questioned Brett Kavanaugh when I was a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee and asked him as a nominee to serve on the United States Supreme Court, could he think of any law that tells a man what to do with his body? And the answer was a, a no. The reality of it is, this is still a fundamental issue of justice for women in America. Women have been given the responsibility to perpetuate the human species. Our bodies were created to do that. And it does not give any other person the right to tell a woman what to do with that body. It is her body, it is her right, it is her decision. Senator Harris, thank you. Senator Klobuchar, what would you do to stop states from prevailing? Your response. I would codify Roe v. Wade and make it the law of the land. Uh, but what I want to do right now is just say, what if Donald Trump was standing up here with, on the debate stage with me? You know what I would say to him? I said, you know, you said you wanted to do this in your race for president. You actually said that you wanted to put women in jail. Then you tried to dial it back, and you said you wanted to put doctors in jail. That is exactly what the Alabama law is. It put doctors in jail for 99 years. You, Donald Trump, are not on the side of women. You are not on the side of people of this country when over 75% of people want to keep Roe v. Wade on the book, when over 90% of people want to make sure we have available contraception. You defunded Planned Parenthood. I would fund it again. Senator, thank you. Senator Booker, if states prevail on restricting abortion, how would you stop them? Please respond. Well, first of all, let's be clear about this law, these laws we see from Alabama to Ohio. They're not just attacks on one of the most sacrosanct ideals in our country, liberty, the ability to control your own body. But they're particularly another example of people trying to punish, trying to penalize, trying to criminalize poverty because this is disproportionately affecting low-income women in this country, people in rural areas in this country. It is an assault on the most fundamental ideal that human beings should control their own body. And so the way, as President of the United States, I'm going to deal with this is, first of all, elevating it like we have with other national crises to a White House-level position. And I will create the Office of Reproductive Freedom uh, and Reproductive Rights in the, in the White House and make sure that we begin to fight back on a systematic attempt that's gone on for decades to undermine Roe v. Wade. I will fight to codify it, and I will also make sure that we fight as this country 
to repeal the Hyde Amendment so that we are leading the planet Earth in defending the global you, assault Senator. we see on women right now. Congresswoman Gabbard, your response. Uh, this is often one of the most difficult decisions that a woman will ever have to make, and it's unfortunate to see how in this country it has for so long been used as a divisive political weapon. Uh, I agree with Hillary Clinton on one thing, disagree with her on many others, but when she said abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, I think she's correct. We see how the consequences of laws that you're referring to can often lead to a dangerous place, as we've seen them as they're passed in other countries where a woman who uh, has a miscarriage past that six weeks could be imprisoned because abortion would be Ill illegal at that point. Uh, I do, however, think that there should be some restrictions in place. I support codifying Roe v. Wade while making sure that during the third trimester, abortion is not an option unless the life or severe health consequences of a woman are at risk. Thank you very much. The Supreme Court is currently made up of five Republican-appointed justices and four appointed by Democrats. The court just announced it will hear arguments in a case challenging some abortion rights. Vice President Biden, the Constitution does not specify the number of justices that serve on the Supreme Court. If Roe v. Wade is overturned on your watch and you can't pass legislation in Congress, would you seek to add justices to the Supreme Court to protect women's reproductive rights? I would not get into court packing. We, we add three justices. Next time around, we lose control. They add three justices. We began to lose any credibility for the court has at all. I want to point out that the justices I've supported, when I defeated Robert Bork, and I say when I defeated Robert Bork, I made sure we guaranteed a woman's right to choose for a better part of a generation. I would make sure that we move and insist that we pass, we codify Roe v. Wade. The public is already there. Things have changed. And I would go out and I would campaign against those people in the state of Ohio, Alabama, et cetera, who in fact are throwing up this barrier. Reproductive rights are a constitutional right. And in fact, every woman should have that right. And so I would not pack the court. What I would do is make sure that the people that I recommended for the court from from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to Elena Kagan who used to work for me to others, that they in fact support the right of privacy on which the entire notion of a woman's right to choose is based. And that's what I would do, no one to get on the court. And by the way, if in fact at the end of this, beginning next year, if in fact one of the justices steps down, God forbid, in fact, I would make sure that we would do exactly what, uh, what, what uh, McConnell did last time out. We would not allow any hearing to be Thank held you, Mr. for Vice new President. justice. Judge, you have discussed expanding the court from nine to 15 justices. What's your response to the vice president? That's right. When I proposed reforming the Supreme Court, some folks said that was too bold to even contemplate. Now, I'm not talking about packing the court just with people who agree with me although I certainly will appoint people who share my values. For example, the idea that women's right, reproductive freedom is an American right. What I'm talking about is reforms that will depoliticize the court. We can't go on like this where every single time there is a vacancy, we have this apocalyptic ideological firefight over what to do next. Now, one way to fix this would be to have a 15-member court where five of the members can only be appointed by unanimous agreement of the other 10. Smarter legal minds than mine are discussing this in the Yale Law Journal and how this could be done without a constitutional amendment. But the point is that not everybody arrives on a partisan basis. There are other reforms that we could consider. 
from term limits, don't forget justices used to just retire like everybody else, to a rotation off the appellate bench. Thank you. I'm not wedded to a particular solution, but I am committed to establishing a commission you, on day Judge. one that will propose reforms to depoliticize the Supreme Court because we can't Thank you very like much, Mayor Buttigieg. Secretary Castro, he's talking about making the court bigger. Your response, is it a good idea? Uh, I don't think it is. I wouldn't pack the court. Um, you know, I think the, the plan that uh, Mayor Pete mentioned is an interesting one, but I actually believe if we were selecting from one of those things, that the smarter move might be to look at term limits uh, or having people cycle off from the appellate courts so that you would have um, uh, a replenishment of perspective. Uh, I would also make sure that I appoint as president people who respect the precedent of Roe versus Wade, that we codify Roe versus Wade, uh, and that we do away with things like the Hyde Amendment because you shouldn't only be able to have reproductive freedom if you have money. We have to think, to think about people who do not, people who are poor. Uh, and we have to concern ourselves not only with reproductive freedom, but also reproductive justice and invest in the ability of every woman to be able to make a choice and to be able to have her health care needs met. Senator Warren, would you consider adding more justices to the Supreme Court to protect Roe v. Wade? Your response? I think there are a number of options. I think, uh, as Mayor Buttigieg said, there are many different ways. People are talking about different options, and I think we may have to talk about them. But on Roe versus Wade, can we just pause for a minute here? I, I lived in an America where abortion was illegal, and rich women still got abortions because they could travel, they could go to places where it was legal. What we're talking about now is that the people who are denied access to abortion are the poor, are the young, are 14-year-olds who are molested by a family member. And we now have support across this country. Three out of four Americans believe in the rule of Roe versus Wade. When you've got three out of four Americans supporting it, we should be able to get that passed through Congress. We Senator, should not leave you. this to the Supreme Court. We should do it through democracy because we can. Thank you very much, Senator. Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! I'm Kelly. Jamie. Hey, I'm Gabe. The Dem debate was a big deal because this is the first time we had... um, not one, but two questions about abortion, um, yes. about reproductive rights, which was really exciting. And we had to wait until the end for that sweet, sweet ratings. Um, <sighs> and it, it was it was uh, previously addressed in the debate by uh, Senator Kamala Harris and um, Cory Booker. Uh, and the moderator at the time was like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that at, like later. So just kind of brushed it off when they first brought up um, reproductive rights. But... They did actually come, like, it was a callback. They did actually mm-hmm. ask some questions. The the comments from uh, Senator Harris uh, in, the, in, the, in the first half hour of the debate were great. She recognized that the issue was not being moved forward, um, understood that it was a priority that needed to be discussed. Um, Do you think she follows us on Twitter? Is that why? 
<laughs> I have no idea. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is like, there's been a lot of stir on Twitter, thanks to Renee Bracey Sherman, yes. to ask about abortion with mm-hmm. the hashtag ask about abortion. Right. Um, and between us, our national office, Planned Parenthood, like it's it's been circulating pretty hard and kind of building up to like a, a swarm, especially in the state that like the six week ban came out of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe some of the candidates recognize that. And even if the moderators weren't going to bring it up, they were hopefully on the attack. Yeah. I actually really liked it because it was actually in the context of a larger healthcare question rather mm-hmm. than just an abortion question. Right. Because abortion is healthcare. Yes. Right. And so it was really kind of nice. It was interesting though, when um, Cory Booker started into his, I kind of went, uh, where are you going with that? Cause he did this whole like women, women are people. Yeah. Like women he are people. started it very yeah. awkwardly <laughs> and you're like, okay, where are you? Oh, okay. He landed that one. All right. That works. he also did enough research to recognize that the Planned Parenthood in, here in Ohio has closed two centers, um, mm-hmm. d- as a direct result of title 10 cut funding. Right. Yeah. So. That was, yeah, that was also a really good, like localized shout out. Yes. Well, I do think, though, too, to make the very important distinction to when Harrison Booker talked about it in that first hour, neither one of them actually said the word abortion, this which is was true. annoying. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, and I think uh, Senator Harris like referenced like women existing to procreating or something in that vein. Yes. I was like, Kamala I'm, Harris did say something very weird about it being a woman's destiny to procreate no, or something you. like that, which was also very odd and awkward. But yeah, so and then at the end, the the when the question was asked, the first one who, person who then also said abortion was, of course, safe legal rare. It's a safe legal rare comment from Tulsi Gabbard, right? And um, yeah, so that wasn't okay, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, saying abortion should be safe legal and rare is one hundred percent stigmatizing, and making good abortions and bad abortions and all abortions are good abortions because they're the abortion you choose to have. Right. I mean, it doesn't, saying it's safe, like you want it safely, safely going real, doesn't take into account like birth control failures. It doesn't take into like sabotage, like sabotaging somebody's mm-hmm. birth control. It doesn't take into account um, circumstances like around a wanted pregnancy changing. Like it's, it's, it's stigma. It's, it was taken out of the party platform in 2012. Like yeah. it's not, it's an outdated talking point that's from like the nineties. Right yeah. Like Tulsi, get it, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So the first person who actually said the word said it in a very bad way. And then I think I saw somewhere where then like seven more times Elizabeth Warren said it. And she was also the only one who said it in a more gender neutral way. Which uh, threw back to Jordan Close. Yes. Calling her out. uh, uh, Doing some bird dogging when she was here in Columbus a couple of months ago. um, Saying, hey, it's really great that you talk about it. abortion that way but like don't do it that way (laughs) Mm -hmm. so she listened which was awesome um so that was really great to see there and then of course julian castro talked about reproductive justice which was awesome i yeah i i think um and and we should throw up our disclaimer here narrow pro-choice ohio is not making any endorsements at this time (laughs) um we work with the national partner they're actually the ones that make the endorsement for president we support them and participate in the process we've not yet endorsed anybody but we are happy to critique statements <laughs> yes. of everybody. <laughs> yes. uh, having said all that, I thought Julian Castro's responses, mm-hmm. you know, on, on these relevant topics were the best that we heard in the evening. Um, you know, he, he's we, t- we talk about who mentioned the, the word abortion. Mm-hmm. He's the one who mentioned reproductive justice. Yeah. You know, I, I thought he was spot on there and, and other remarks that he made. 
um, when he was discussing, you know, they got into gun control and, and I'm not comparing the two topics. I hate comparing abortion and guns. Um, but when he was discussing uh, gun control, they asked about mandatory buybacks, which is a concept that I, you know, I've heard of a gun buyback, but I've never heard of it being mandatory. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, no, you cannot have a mandatory gun buyback because then you would have police going door to door in neighborhoods mm-hmm. trying to confiscate guns. And that would be really horrible. We already have problems with police in certain communities. And he referenced uh, Tatiana Jefferson uh, shot in her own home. He brought that up, got significant audience applause, mm-hmm. you know, thanking him for recognizing that that happened. Um he also visited Edith Espinal here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Senator Warren um, gave a shout out on Facebook to Edith. But as far as I know, um, Castro is the only one that visited her. Yeah. Right. I, all of that. I'm very impressed with uh, Julian Castro this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did great. Yeah. yeah. Um, most said that they would codify Roe into, into law. Um, Harris said she would use the Department of Justice to block laws, um, like anti-choice laws. Uh, Klobuchar said she would reverse Title X gag rule. Uh, Booker would create the Office of Reproductive Freedom. Um, like we said, Gabbard said safe, legal, and rare. Uh, Biden said codify Roe and not much else. Uh, Buttigieg says he would expand the Supreme Court to have 15 judges. Um, <laughs> I'm just not quite sure that that's a response to this question. Like, like I understand he- having more, but like... Having more, who's appointing and like, there's no way in heck a Republican, you know, legislator lets lets us under a, you know, a Democratic president lets us add that many more Supreme Court justices like willy nilly. Like it's just it seems. And and Warren referenced the time before Roe because I think she might be yes the only candidate other than maybe Biden who would even remember that Bernie, right. Oh, <laughs> Bernie didn't get what a did question on. He did. Bernie. He didn't get asked. Oh, yeah. Not everybody got the question. Interesting. So yeah, Andrew Yang did not get asked. Um, st- uh, um, Steyer, uh, thank you. Uh, did not. You know, so not everybody caught the question. Okay, uh, and so did not have a chance there. You know, which isn't to say that Bernie couldn't have then said, "Hey, wait a minute, you didn't ask me. Here's my thoughts." Sure. Um, you know, Harris and Booker did in the first hour, mm-hmm. um, but Bernie just as a part of the debate, was not asked the question. All right. Um, but yeah, Warren and Biden being the only two that have were asked this question were the ones that remember the time before Roe. So um, Warren referenced that and also said she would codify it into law. Right. So. Which is a nice start. Right. But like it's already in existence now and we've lost half of our, nearly half of our clinics since 2011 and right. income individuals don't have access because of the Hyde Amendment. Like codifying Roe is a good first step to make sure like the basic legality stays there. But then, but you know, all of them have additional platforms. I know that everybody, maybe everybody, but well, I guess Biden did finally come around on Hyde too. Yeah. So I think everybody has said, and I think that's like the big thing about like the ask about abortion hashtag is it's like getting these conversations started, like all Mm -hmm. above all is like their big pushes to repeal the Hyde amendment. So like, I don't even think this was a topic of consideration in 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, not at all. So like, 
we've come a long way in a lot oh, of certainly. ways in six years, seven years, seven years. Yeah. I mean, nobody, I mean, we got rid of safe legal and rare in 2012, 2012 and right. now we're talking about repealing Hyde, which was, you know, the, you joke about abortion being the third rail of politics. Hyde was the third rail of the third rail. And now, <laughs> you know, and now, right. you know, people have really realized that you can't create a system in which, rich people have access to abortion care and low-income people don't. Right. You know, people should have access to the abortion care they need and deserve no matter what their income, their zip code, or or who or what they are. So, yeah. So. It's kind of way become way more mainstream than I think anybody could have dreamed back then, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of people are disappointed by a lot of these answers. Um, but for a lot of them, it really is just kind of like a first step. Like, they haven't had the pressure that a lot of, like, our more local candidates even have had on how to talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe there are some neighbor affiliates and some of the other, like their home states being like, Hmm, maybe I need to schedule a meeting with my Senator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. That'll be fun. That's, that's the other theory I have about why this got pushed to the third hour is there might've been uh, some pressure behind the scenes from some campaigns to say, Hey, we definitely, you know, we know we're going to get this question we want to be able to answer this. But at the same time, you know, for for some campaigns, it's not like the big issue that they're campaigning on. Uh, maybe they said, hey, could you move this towards the end? You know, could, could we? And- I doubt it. The campaigns have no, I really don't think the campaigns have any kind of influence over. Well, it, you know, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it, the question was asked, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a top priority question. Yeah. You know, it, it, it fared better than climate change. Or LGBTQ. Asked. Right. Yes. Like, there or, was nothing China, about that. You know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in defense of that, they did do a forum on that last week. They did. So. Yes. Yeah. That's that's my only statement on that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we have at least talked about that. Yes. I mean, I'd be down to see a like nationally televised uh, town hall on rebirth freedom. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yes. So, somebody listening that has more power than me, make it happen. <laughs> With fewer than 12 candidates. Ideally, yes. And, and fewer please, than three hours. Please, whatever higher power there is, yes. I mean, and and to think that there were 12 people on stage. That's like seven too many. There, there's seven yes. more who didn't make it. At least you can't say it's not a diverse field of candidates. Uh, correct. Um, but Can we say bye to something? Yeah. You know, not not naming names, half those people need to get off the stage. <laughs> Uh, and the other seven who didn't make it, you know, I, I don't see a next president amongst any of them. Um, it's, it's time to thin the field. You know, I will say that Tulsi looked pretty dope in that white suit. It was a good suit. Mm-hmm. It was a good suit. I, I think there's some people who should, you know, be in Congress doing an amazing job <laughs> or a uh, passable job even. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, well, I, you know, there's there's a couple governors who would make some great senators, you know, and a couple uh-huh. mayors that would great make passable governors at least. Sure, <laughs> um, you know, there are many people on that stage who are not going to be the next president, and because of that, they all need to admit that and strip aside. Right, it's time. I love a good strong primary, but uh, <laughs> this is getting not, out of hand. Not with nineteen candidates. No. <laughs> Maybe ranked choice should actually go somewhere in, in the in the United States. Um, other than the debate, I mean, I feel like that took like all the air out of my room this this week, kind of. 
I mean, but it all but that wasn't the only thing that happened on tuesday i know that's what i was pivoting Oy. to <laughs> so yeah so tuesday we had all the debate stuff like there was stuff in the morning there was stuff at night there was all kinds of stuff all over the place and then not one not two but three 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 <laughs> state legislative hearings on three different bills so yeah so we had house house bill 297 which is the and we'll have to put in the show notes the um jenna powell can't remember what her bill does video clip because <sighs> that's hilarious you should really watch that but house bill 297 was introduced by Rep. jenna powell and ginter mm-hmm. um and um it originally was a totally 50 percent refundable tax credit so if you give a hundred thousand dollars to a crisis pregnancy center you would get fifty thousand dollars in state tax credits and if you didn't owe $50,000 in state taxes, the state would write you a check for the difference. That's it's, the worst kind of corruption we've seen in uh-huh. the state in quite a while. I mean, There's, they don't even do that for the end income tax credit. No, so it's like, only for like two or three. One of them, be it was like the film credit that also exists in Ohio. Like tourism? Yeah, no, film. Like, I meant like film tourism. In, mm-hmm, yeah. And so, but yeah. So yeah, but the earned income tax credit, which is for low income Ohio ends, which is refundable at the federal level, is not refundable at the state level. So, Rude. Mm-hmm. but they um, they must have um, decided that was too good of a talking point because they changed the bill. So <laughs> woohoo, go us! Um, <laughs> so it is not refundable anymore, but you can carry it over from one year to the next for like one year. That's and also, they explicitly said that you can't get this credit if you donate to an organization that does the things that they say a CPC does, which is like provide material assistance and counseling and whatever but also does like refer to abortion or those kinds of things. So initially the bill could actually have gone to some of the more comprehensive support programs like moms to be or root or birthing beautiful communities and those kinds of things. But now I don't think that those kinds of programs would be able to get the tax credit. Lest we like accidentally give money to Planned Parenthood at the state level or something. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is. They're just, yeah. So, so that had its first hearing. It so was let's, let's moralize our tax credits, I guess. Well, and there's no other. We we asked um, LSC if there was any other um, credit like this for charitable donations, and they of course came back with no. There is no. There's only one other credit like it out there, and it's for if you put money into like a state savings program for your kid to go to college there's a tax credit for you putting money into an account for saving for later for your kid to go to school. But that's like the only other like individual person tax credit that exists in Ohio. Cool. So we also saw house bill 155 and Senate, sorry, Senate bill 155 and Senate bill um, 208 come back as well. Um, the medical misinformation act and experimenting the, on pregnant women. Act. Yes. That the, what we were calling that one now. Yes. Cause you know what, what we need is to tell doctors um, that, that they had to tell their patients unproven and scientifically inaccurate information about how abortion might be able to be reversed, which is not a thing. Um, this is where the not a medical thing <laughs> t-shirts and, and buttons and everything came from. So yeah, so the Senate committee definitely has continued their push of biased information. I mean, frankly, it's propaganda. We were talk- I was talking with our executive director earlier today and we were discussing kind of the phases and they went through a phase of 
all the trap laws that they passed. So all of the like transfer agreement stuff and the, you know, death by a thousand cuts kind of regulations on abortion. And then we went through a period where we just saw a bunch of different kinds of abortion bans. And now we're in the propaganda phase. Like they've banned abortion to the point where they can ban it. I mean, they passed a six week ban. And now we're just in this full propaganda. We're going to demonize abortion providers and the patients they serve in every way they can, where we can with propaganda and misinformation campaigns pushed through our state legislature. So just kind of throwing things at the wall, see what sticks. Uh huh. Turns the, out everything sticks in the Ohio legislature. Yeah, <laughs> they're the proverbial dog who caught their tail, and now they don't know what to do with it. Like, <laughs> well, they can't raise money if they don't have any abortion bills to like parade exactly. in front of their constituents. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, so we'll see. So 155 and 208 are coming back next week for opponent testimony. Um, so that'll be a Tuesday at 10 o'clock. You can turn, tune in on Ohio Channel. It's Senate Health, Human Services, and Medicaid. Um, and then we're assuming 297 will come back um, in Ways and Means Committee that afternoon, too. That they usually meet at, like, 3 o'clock. But um, we haven't seen that schedule, so I don't know. Fun time. So, uh, yeah, the the hearings on Tuesdays are open to the public Mm because it is the people's house. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, As long as you go through security, don't carry in knitting needles. No signs. No signs and no crochet hooks. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't come into the state house anymore. Um, uh, If you are interested in testifying, shoot us an email. Um, You can get in touch with me, Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y-F, as in Freeman, at ProChoiceOhio.org. And we will help you, we'll help walk you through it if you're interested. Yep. And I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah. Cool. So. Awesome. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.